0: Welcome to the 43rd episode of the Queen Bee Book Club podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Cher. And we are your Queen Bees. Um, Today is our special Halloween episode of the Queen Bee Book Club podcast. Last time we talked about Turn of the Screw, and this time we are talking about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I would say this is probably a more fun Halloween episode than, than last year. Shorter sentences... I mean, I mean. <laughs> both have some dark themes, but I would say mm-hmm. Turning the Screw is a bit of a darker end. Yes. Um, Certainly l- less No hope. Miles and Miss Jessup. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Um. So also, I should say, I just got back from New York where I saw the play Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, so I'm here to bring the viewer perspective as well as the reader perspective. I feel like that's going to be so essential because I feel like most people who I've talked to who have only read the play have been, like, pretty meh about it. Yeah. Like, meh to dislike. And I am on record on this podcast as disliking the play. But I think the second time around, because I kind of knew what I was expecting, I did enjoy it more. Mm -hmm. But I still have some things that I just don't care for about it. Okay, yeah. So I will say that um, I I don't know if it was just because I was reading this at, like, a very stressful time in my life where, like, Mm -hmm. the alternative was reading contracts. But I did not hate this play nearly as much as everyone else I know. Okay. And I I also think part of it was was I was going into it knowing Mm -hmm. that I wasn't going to feel like – I did about the actual Harry Potter books, and so maybe I was, like, sufficiently prepared to be able to enjoy it. Um, that being said, there are definitely some things I have problems with plot-wise, but I think, Mm -hmm. like, the big thing, like, I already knew about it going in, I'm pretty sure you told me, um, that, that Voldemort has a child. Oh, okay. And, like, that I think is, like, the main thing that I'm just like, no, that's not true. yeah. Well, and I also just, like, my primary question about the play in general, is it, like, is it that John Tiffany and Jack Thorne conceived of this idea and were like, hey, J.K. Rowling, is this okay? I think that's how it happened. I don't think that, because I don't think she had much to do with it, really, besides signing off on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, like, they really make it seem like she's, like, a big part of it, and I just don't know that that's true. I think they basically, like, wrote something that, like, doesn't contradict anything. Right. But a lot of it seems, like, a little speculative to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. So, okay. So maybe, like, I feel like maybe the best way to go through it is, like, by character. Like, at at first, because I think, like, for me, like, that was my main issue was that, like, this is just not how I see this character at all. Or, like, you have basically, like, ruined this character in how they were developed in the series. Okay. Well, and then, like, so my question for you as we go through this, because I agree, is... I think so much of a play, like, because I was reading some of it, and some of the dialogue feels off to me. Yeah. But I didn't know if it's just because I'm reading it and not seeing how they're performing it. Okay, I will say the dialogue, like, it lands a lot better in the in performance than it does on the page. Okay. First, like, which I I mean, I would hope so. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So okay, so I so I went with um. My two, like, childhood friends, Lauren and Olivia, and we, like, Mm -hmm. all grew up together reading the Harry Potter books and, like, had sleepovers, like, at my house, like, on the midnight release nights. We would, like, stay up reading them and, like, anyway, so we, like, very much grew up with the books. And my friend Lauren has a very, like, idealized version or, like, feeling about Harry, whereas Mm -hmm. I, like, as we've talked about, like, Harry's never been my favorite character and he's, like, always been somebody who I've seen as, like, pretty flawed Mm -hmm. and like a little annoying many a time Mm -hmm. and so like for me like i didn't really have that much of a problem with how harry himself was portrayed i was kind of like yeah that like all of it kind of checks out for me like harry (laughs) harry would um like he's like he's still you know he's still moody he's still jumping to conclusions Mm -hmm. um i think anyway like i just didn't like i know lauren had quite a bit of problems like with how sort of, like, he abuses his power in the ministry, like, like bossing McGonagall around, which I'm like, yeah, fuck that. Yeah. But I'm also sort of like, I don't know, I could see Harry doing it. Well and I also I mean, I didn't ever necessarily think that he was like abusing his power, but like he definitely has more power than I mean McGonagall's headmaster, I guess. So but I mean I don't know. Like Well but he It he just seems like in- awkward that he has like he's like coming in hot all the time and it's like just awkward because it's like you're Harry, she obviously is in charge of you still. Right. Well he comes in <laughs> saying like if you don't Like, spy on my son. I'm going to bring down the might of the ministry on you. I'm like, that's not appropriate. (laughs) Like. Yeah. (laughs) But but I also think, like, him suspecting Scorpius as the problem is so classic Harry of, like, suspecting Mm -hmm. Snape for everything, suspecting Draco Malfoy, which for once he was correct about that. Um, But, like, he always has these sort of ideas that he can't let go of. And, like, just assumes that they're right and then only takes information that confirms those ideas. Like, he's like, oh, Bane gave me a cryptic warning, which I now am going to, say, like, say affirms my theory on everything. Well, but, like, my problem with that is is that's how Harry was when he was 14, 15, 16, and 17 years old. That's true. Which, like, that to me is very teenage behavior. Especially when you're Harry Potter and your whole life you haven't been told everything that you know. So you're, like going to really trust yourself because you don't trust any of the other information people are giving you because you've never really been getting the full story right and so i'm like okay but harry's now probably in his what 30s so are we trying well, are we to be more than to that leave? right it's 19 years after ah. what's 17 plus 19 <laughs> six 36 he's 36 is that right Cause seven nine plus seven is sixteen. Because it's one less. Yeah, than yeah, 17. yeah. Okay, you're right. Okay. <laughs> he so definitely seem, he seems. He seems older than thirty six to me in the play. In the play, huh? I don't know. I, I will also say like Harry in the play, hot. I hope so. He like, that's that, like that kind of checks out for me. He like he's a short guy, so like already <laughs> checking boxes for me. Um. But he's like short and, but like also like he dresses pretty well. Like he wears like he 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 does the um like vest and dress shirt look, oh, which I like. I like that. Yeah, I like that um, too. And he also like like his delivery was good. I thought like he like he's he's he has some good comic moments. Um. Anyway, I was a fan. I think the thing that bothers me the most about the Harry depiction. Is, and maybe it's just that I hate the scene so much, the scene where he tells um, Albus that sometimes he wishes that he wasn't his son. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, I know Lauren, like, really struggled with that. She's like, Harry would never say that. And I'm like, see, I feel like I recognize Harry flaws and, like, am down to see them and talk about them all the time. But I just really had a hard time seeing that Harry would say that to his own child. I think it was like it was a moment of it was a heated moment and I think that like Harry is like he's overworked he's stressed like he just doesn't get this kid and like this kid just like also knows all the ways to get under his skin and so he just like snaps yeah like I can see how it could happen but like I also don't like take that to be true yeah the thing that I like don't get at all though is like what exactly are their issues right like it seems well it seems like okay like obviously like the slytherin thing like was awkward for him but like apparently they upset. had issues before that no harry doesn't care and i, I think also it- i'm sorry like albus and scorpius are hufflepuffs puffs. <laughs> Like, they are not, like, there's nothing about them that seems Slytherin y to me. I mean, I think that this book, the one good thing this book does do is at least, like, give Slytherin a not horrible character. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, Scorpius. Yes, Scorpius is um, great. Although, let me tell you, Scorpius in the play is a lot to handle. Really? So, I don't know if you've heard about it. He talks like like a goose. Like he like his his delivery is the weirdest. Like it would be like "Oh, bus! It's like it like he talks like that. Yeah, no. no the whole play. I don't know. Like I think it's supposed to be funny. But like when I read the play, like I sort of saw Scorpius as like basically the most redeeming character. Like he was yeah. the one who I felt the most sympathy for and like I cared about the most. Yeah. But then like in the play like he is like really a comic character, which is kind of weird. That's so strange. Yeah. That's not how I read that at all. Yeah. Dislike. Well, I also so like, the part of this play that is the most interesting to me is that it is an exploration of what it is like or what it would be like to be a child of one of these people and, like, how their lives move forward. And, like, if you become famous at 17 for, like, defeating the darkest and most evil wizard that ever was and you were already famous, like, how like how do you, like have a normal life after that and like so albus like struggling under his father's image is very interesting to me and so but yeah i mean like just the, like it just seems like they had issues just for the sake of having issues and it seemed like the, he was sorted into slytherin just for the sake of like oh like he's in slytherin and that's also how we kind of keep rose and james out of here yeah, well, the the other thing that, like, they kind of, so, like, a, the book deals, or the play deals, like, a ton with, like, father-son issues, like, that's, like, a big mm-hmm. theme, and so, like, you have, like, Draco Malfoy and his son, Harry, and then his son, and then you also have this idea of, like, Dumbledore as a father, like, a failed father to Harry, which, like, I just, I never, like, really thought as, of Dumbledore as a father figure to Harry. No. Like, I thought, like... He had a lot of other people who I would have considered, like, fatherly over Dumbledore. Like Hagrid. Like Hagrid or Arthur Weasley or um, Sirius or Lupin. Yeah. Like, I mean, there, there were plenty Lupin. of father figures that Harry had. Vernon yeah. Dursley. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Well, and I also, like, that whole argument that Harry has with Dumbledore or his painting yeah. at the end, I was just like, We've already done this. Like, Harry's already – I feel like book seven, Harry really works through his issues with Dumbledore and kind of realizes, like, he sees Dumbledore as a human being and realizes, like, oh, he wasn't a god. He was a human who, like, made mistakes and that's okay and that's – like, it can still mean he's great. Right. But then this book, like, has that all get rehashed, which I'm like – I mean, I think that that would be fair if Dumbledore were a living person – and still like headmaster or something, but if it's like he's the painting, it's like I don't really feel I like guess this is that useful. <laughs> I think I think what the play is trying to do, which like I don't know that I don't really think they do it successfully, is um like basically all of this is coming up for Harry as he deals with like his issues with his son and like he's realizing how much he is turning into a Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. I guess. Like, I think he's seeing, like, things that Dumbledore did that hurt him, like, he's doing to Albus. hmm Because I think... Yeah. I guess. Because I think, like, what Harry sort of says is, like, I, like, needed to hear from you that you loved me. Which, like, I would never really thought that was Dumbledore's role for Harry anyway, but, like, whatever. Yeah. Whereas, like, that's also apparently what Albus needs from Harry, or at least for, like, Harry to reveal his humanity or, like, that he's not perfect. Yeah. And, I or, that, like, his Ginny, weaknesses. I don't know. Yeah, I liked what Ginny says to him toward the end where it's, like, she was, like, when I, after the whole Chamber of Secrets thing, like, you just came over and played Exploding Snap with me. Yeah. And, like, you are the same with Albus that you are with, like, just the common people. Because he was like, I would, like, give my life for Albus. And she was like, you would give your life for literally anyone. Right. Like, that is who you are. And that's great. And it's one of your good qualities. But, like, Albus needs to know that you love him more because you're his son. Yeah, that you, son. like, love him specifically. Yeah. No. And I thought that was really interesting and, like, maybe the root of the issue of, like, Albus just feels like I'm just another person in his life. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I never thought that Harry – like, Harry's issue was always, like, trying to go it alone, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, loving – but and, like, doing that because he couldn't stand the idea of anyone else dying because of him. Right. And so I don't understand why he would, like – I don't know. Like, he would all of a sudden, like – like love is supposed to be Harry's great gift, and then yeah. somehow he's like now lost that in being a dad, which seems odd yeah. to me. Yeah, well, because I especially think that Harry, because he would like, I think he would be incredibly invested in being a dad, and like also we have that whole backstory in the seventh book about how like Teddy Lupin eats at their house all the time. Oh yeah, why? Isn't so he clearly in the book, he's been like or in the play. Yeah, or question big one. one. <laughs> Bill and Fleur's kids. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah, I don't know. I Anyway, so, since so you mentioned Ginny, Ginny mm-hmm. is, like, I think one of the most annoying parts of the play. <laughs> like, really? for a plot line. Yeah. They, like, I feel like with they keep kind of introducing issues in this play that, like, just don't exist for characters. Like, Jenny, yeah. like, all of a sudden comes in hot being like, oh, um. I felt really lonely as a child. I really relate to Albus. And I'm like, you had a family of 20. Like, she was the most popular girl at Hogwarts. <laughs> you're the most popular girl in school. You're the favorite child of your mother. Like, you like your brothers love you. Like, I don't mm-hmm. I like I'm just like I find that very hard to believe. And they just kind of keep throwing in also this idea of like how jealous Ginny is of like the trio. It's like that I could understand, but it's also like that's literally been your reality since you were 11 years old so though, i you, feel like you, you would married it over it like yeah. also it's been like 20 years like i mean they basically had one grand adventure together and then that's it like i mean like i understand why she would have been jealous as a kid or whatever but then like you know after book seven like jenny's like in the picture um, yeah. So, like, she kind of, like, keeps, like, bringing that up passive-aggressively, being like, oh, everyone always stares when you three are together, blah, blah, blah. It's like, Ginny, like, get over it. Also, I will say in the play, like, they make Ginny, like, really frumpy. Whereas, yeah. like, like, so there's, so Ginny's supposed to be 35, because she's a year younger than Harry then. So, like, Ginny I'm picturing as, like, a hot milf. Like, she should yeah. be, like- you know, wearing a leather jacket and, like, stiletto boots. But no, she, Absolutely. like, wears, like, mom sweaters and, like, dowdy skirts and, like, has, like, a She was bad in the haircut. Hollywood Harpies. Like, what? Yeah. No. So, I don't know. Like, I just sort of felt like they didn't – Like, she comes off as, like, just such a vanilla, boring character. And, like, I sort of feel like Jenny is sort of – Like definitely the more fun, like of the couple. Like she's definitely the cooler one. Well, yeah, because we always talked about how she kind of like it has a kinship with Fred and George. Yeah. Well, I also think too, like she's supposed to be like the sports editor and George. Yeah, like she's supposed to be like a fun, like I don't know, good time gal. But but she also like isn't you know like nothing against dowdy moms because like guess what molly weasley like there can't be anybody better uh. than you but like <laughs> but like she's not a molly weasley either like she's not no she's not that strong mm-hmm. and like with molly weasley too like you know molly weasley is the only one keeping that house together like arthur weasley is just has his no. head in the clouds bless him but, <laughs> but he- he's like trying to like he's like bringing muggle objects home like He's, like, tinkering in the chicken coop with his illegal car. And he's like, good job, guys. And she's like, no, not good job. They stole a car. (laughs) God bless. Like, also, she defeats Bellatrix, like, single-handedly. Yeah, because Ginny couldn't. (laughs) Well, Ginny was also, like, 16. 16. (laughs) But (laughs) Ginny and Hermione couldn't. Yeah. Well, and so... Can we talk about Draco for a second? Draco is the MVP of the play. Which, like, okay, I I feel like it's so clear. Like, it feels – Draco's characterization in this play feels the most to me like John and Jack only re- watch the movies. Where they're, like – where Tom Felton is allowed to play Draco a lot more sympathetically than he appears in the books – And yes, he was a teenager, but Draco is unforgivably cruel in the books. And he gets to be like this and he doesn't ever really apologize for it in the play. And it's basically just like him being like, I don't know, like I'm a dad and like I'm good now and I'm on the right side of things. Yeah, I mean, I guess that they kind of try to say that like he married – a like nice woman and that is what changed mm-hmm. everything for him which like i mean maybe but i like i did i did like the idea that draco was jealous of the ron harry hermione trio because like he mm-hmm. never really actually had any like real friends he basically was like friends with boulders yeah um, <laughs> Which, like, I actually can kind of buy that, because Draco, yeah. in, like, the very first book, like, is basically rejected as a friend to Harry, and, like, he never gives it up. mm Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. But it's just, like, again, like, that really – it's almost like how we all view Snape so positively now, and then you're like, wait a minute, Snape no. is a total dick. That's fair. But I also think, like, Draco – like I I do feel bad for him though too because he was is raised in a family that like didn't ever totally. teach him anything differently. And so I just don't think he repents enough is what I'm saying. Like for the amount of sympathy that or in like how well he comes off in this play, I feel like he doesn't have to do anything in it. He doesn't do anything to like make up for who he was. That's fair. But we also don't know what's like, happened even- in the in between. That's true. I don't know. I just sort of in the play, so like they they style him exactly like Lucius Malfoy in um yeah. the movies. Like that's what he looks like. He has like long blonde hair and it's a, I guess Lucius Malfoy has it in like a half pony. He just has it in a like colonial pony. Um mm-hmm. and he like has a really really deep booming voice. I don't know he like he I was like can we just have all scenes with Draco because I'm sick of everyone else but <laughs> that's the thing it's like I liked when he was around but at the same time I, like it's that characterization of him looking exactly like his dad and then but like I guess the, I, the idea is you can like be in your dad's image without adopting his like horrible policies like I I don't know huh yeah, I mean I also think like I'm a big fan in like shows in general bringing like the enemies in. Like it happened every day in, in Gossip Girl. Mm. Like you know when they bring in Jack Bass um to take yes. down uh that guy uh Bart? No, no, not Bart. <laughs> the guy who Pretty burned sure they his use wife him for al- that too. The guy who burned his wife alive in the building. What? Yeah, you know, you know the guy Um He has the daughter that both Nate and uh Chuck both date Raina. Oh yeah yeah yeah. What's that dad's name? I don't know. Doesn't doesn't matter. But like I love I loved that because like you like they're like they bring in the big guns and it's like we got Jack Bass. Whereas like with this it's like We got the big guns. We even have Draco on our side because that's how bad everything is these days. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I guess, like, the dynamics, like, Albus and Scorpius and, like, the dynamics with their parents is what I was most interested in. The whole, like, them, like, trying to shoehorn the fourth book and, like, Voldemort into it. I'm like, nope. Nope. Yeah, no, I agree. No. I, I mean, like when they're like, "Oh, we have to bring Cedric Diggory back," I'm like, "What the fuck? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like why? Like why are why I'm like why is Amos Diggory here? And like George Weasley is not in this play at all." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, like if you're gonna go back in time, at least use that as an opportunity to like save, save Dobby. Lupin. Like, yeah. <laughs> not even save lupin but just talk to him see serious like oh serious yeah well and then it's just like how S- many are times you kidding me why are we not saving george weasley fred yeah fred that's what i mean <laughs> we can save george from losing an ear <laughs> we can save yeah we can save george from a lifetime of misery owning the joke shop apparently with ron unless you just gave it to ron and like did a new <laughs> venture gave it to ron what is he up to Doesn't matter. I think, but what basically probably happened is, like, Ron has been fired from the ministry. Like, he's not really that good at magic. And so Mrs. Weasley calls up George and is like, listen, can you just give him a job? Yeah. Well, because, um, J.K. Rowling told us that Harry and Ron would have been, like, like leading the Auror department. Right. Which, like, like, is... Is and the, the play is like, no, running the joke shop is what Ron's doing. <laughs> but, like, also, so is the magical law enforcement team, is that the same as the Auras? Because, like, I don't think, I don't so. think it or, is. And yet, I think it might be. I don't know that it and is. And they might be inter, inter interlocked. Because I think of the Auras as, like, the FBI and, yeah. like, the magical law enforcement as the police. Yeah. So, like he's lower down.
1: Like he's or chief thought, like, he's
0: chief of police. I thought I law think. enforcement would be like the DA. Oh, okay. And then, You think he's the DA? There's no way he is prosecuting anything. No. He's an or. I don't think he I'm is. Just, I, think just just I think he's just a police. I think he's just a police. Because they always talk think... about, like, with Mad-Eye Moody, like, magical law enforcement got there. Like, that's who Harry is in charge of, the people who are investigating dustbins. But I think, like, those are the Aurors. No, I think that those are, like, different. They're Those are people who are fighting dark magic exclusively, not just, like, But, like, that's what the only thing that they're doing in the magical law enforcement. Is no! Is, like fighting dark magic. No, they're also, like, fighting, like, people like Mundungus Fletcher, who are thieves. Yeah, but, like, the Aurors, I think, do that. No, I think, it's, I think <laughs> that's just the, like... It's beneath them. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. I have no, like, really, like, ground on this. But I just feel like Harry's not actually, like, where he wanted to be. I feel like he's a step down. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, very happy to see that Hermione is Minister of Magic. Like, I, that's cool. Okay, Hermione, I do not like her characterization, at all in the play i think she comes off it's totally incorrect it's it's not how she is literally at all so okay so the woman who plays her in a play like it so there was like a huge controversy over the fact that she was black like literally that does not matter one iota no one no one cares however like so the woman who plays her like does a really good job and she like is a good actress and whatever, but it's just, it's not, like, the, the, the writing is not who Hermione is, and so there's really no way for her to successfully, like, pull off Hermione. Yeah. She comes off as, like, pretty bossy, Mm -hmm. and, like, not in, like, this, like, I don't know, Hermione comes off in the play as, like, bossy, but not, um, like, emotionally intelligent yeah like I also find it impossible to believe that Hermione would leave Ron to take care of her kids like primarily by himself because she would never trust him to do that Mm-mm. like but i I, I like the idea, like I like the idea of Hermione like being like the working like breadwinner and like the career mm-hmm. one whereas like Ron is like the stay at home dad, but like I just don't like I don't buy that Hermione's way too controlling. Yeah. Well, and I also think that like, like you said, we've talked so many times about how emotionally intelligent Hermione is. And so I feel like it would be her that would be sitting Harry down being like, look, this is the problem with you and Albus, because that's all she did with him and Ron. Right. Yeah, you're right. Ron is mad at you because he gets nothing and you get everything. Yeah, you're totally right. Like, she would see immediately what was going on there. I also think that Hermione has never, ever shown ambition to, like, have this kind of career. Like, Hermione has wanted to do good her whole life. So, like, Hermione would be, like, like a civil rights attorney. Well, like, remember, somebody says to her, I think it's, like, Scrimgeour says to her, um, you seem to know the law pretty well, like, you could be, like, basically in charge of it. And she was like, no, I actually want to do some good in the world yeah no totally, yeah and, <laughs> and whereas I, like i mean i I guess like if she's it's she's sort of, like, like helping house elves. like i yeah like i I saw her as like helping like the lowest people or mm-hmm. creatures um and like finding like finding some kind of a, some kind of justice, but like she's never had like that kind of ambition to like like she's always wanted to be top of the class, but like that wasn't because she wanted yeah. power, right, like whereas, she. She was, like, more than happy to let Harry be in the spotlight. Totally. It was, like, she was just, like, interested in solving the puzzles and making sure he was successful. Right. Yeah. I don't know. So, so to me, like, that, like, none of that really rang true. And, like, the idea that, like, her hearing that in, like, a different era would be like, oh, my God, a minister of magic. Like, that's amazing. Like, I think she would be like, what? Like, why aren't I doing something, like, useful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because I feel like she never had a ton of patience. Well, and it's like the hard thing is, is like the last time we saw these characters, they were 17 and now they're 36. And so we have no idea what happened in the meantime. Right. And so it's like, obviously people change from the time that they're 17 to 36. Not, they don't do it usually a total 180. Right. But it's like, I wish that they went into things that... Like, just making some of those leaps a little bit more clear. Yeah. Rather than it seems to me that they were like, oh, well, Hermione's the smart one, so she'll be Minister of Magic. And that'll make everyone happy because she's also a woman. Yeah. I mean. I just don't think this needs to exist. Like, the play (laughs) as a whole has always seemed so transparently a money grab to me that I've always been a little suspicious of it. Yeah. I also just think, like, basically they had to have a character in the ministry so that they could have some kind of, like, connection to it. So they're like, oh, put Hermione in. But, like, it didn't actually, like, there was really nothing in the text to support that, like, that's what she would do. Also, how old is McGonagall at this point? She's still headmistress of Hogwarts. It's 19 years later. I always thought she was, like, on par with Dumbledore's age. No, Dumbledore's, like, in his hundreds. I think McGonagall was like in her like 70s or 80s. Yeah, but like, bu- remember like maybe she was in her 60s, maybe. I think not? I think she's definitely younger than he is, but like yeah. I mean, I also she's think She's old now. You live older as a wizard though. As a witch. I think. Yeah. I don't know. Um McGonagall's characterization is honestly one of my least favorite things in the whole effing play. And, like, I don't know if it's as clear in the, like, reading it on the page as it was in, like, in person. They play her as, like, kind of dumb and, like, bumbling what? and unaware. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, no. no. Yeah. You wouldn't even get that from the movie. Like, what are they doing? No, oh, my like, God. Are, they just are you saying, saying, like, she's old now? Maggie, like, Sli- Maggie Smith has it, like, right on the money. Um, yes, yes. No, like, I think they just kind of, like, like, they've, they I think in an attempt to, like, soften her up a little bit. Why? I don't know. Like, but, like, that's what it felt like. So she just, like, kind of is, like, unaware. She's, like, trying to figure out how to work the Marauder's map and, like, just, like, seems kind of confused. And I feel like McGonagall probably, like, helped them develop the magic to create the Marauder's map. I mean, she wouldn't because it was not again; it was against the rules. But she would be impressed and happy that they had. Yeah, like look, this this map is a hundred percent against the rules, but like, nice magic. Yeah, totally. I will be confiscating it forever. But great job. Yeah, like similar to when Harry was not supposed to be on that broom in the first book, and she's like, "Yeah, but like, you seem like you'd be pretty good at Quidditch, and I've got my <laughs> eye on the prize." <laughs> Well, Quidditch is her weakness. She's a big Quidditch girl. (laughs) Um, but, like, McGonnell also, like, I don't know. Anyway, so, like, that really bothered me a lot because I felt like they just, like, really got her wrong. That's, like, probably the most offensive thing about the play to me now. Yeah. Um, so, let's see. So, we talked about everybody except Ron, um, So, Ron, when I read the play, I was like, holy shit. Like, this is so effing annoying. Like, I can't stand him. Why would they ruin him? In the play, it lands. Okay. It's like, Ron is like, he's very funny in the play. And, like, the guy who plays him, like, looks really, really similar to Arthur Weasley um, in the movies. Mm. And, like, the jokes land. And he doesn't seem, like, as much of an idiot because the jokes are, like, actually funny. Yeah, so it's almost like he is consciously trying to be comedic relief rather yes. than just a moron. Yes. Okay. Like, Which I feel like that, to me, is on par with Ron. Where, like, I feel like Ron always deeply understood what was going on, but was like, hey, can we take, like, two steps back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ron, Ron and Harry actually were, like, exactly the same in everything except Harry was good at quidditch. Yeah. So... I always loved that they were like shitty at school. Yeah. Like, and they were always just like, Hermione, like, can you just write our papers? For like, us? they probably were definitely C students, except that Hermione like helped them, so they became B students. Yeah. Except for Harry had like a shining ability. To do, like... Defense against the dark arts. Yeah. Whatever. But really only because Lupin taught him how to do a Patronus, and then everyone was like, wow, he's a prodigy. Well, I mean, it's kind of like in a... What do they always say in schools? Like, when you get high expectations, you perform better. That's, like, what happened Mm -hmm. to Harry. Yeah. Um... Yeah. So, I don't know. So, I think those are, like, the main... Like, the main characters and, like, my feelings about them. Um... I don't even want to talk about Delphi, because it's like, who cares? Who the fuck cares about her? (sighs) Yeah, I mean, that whole plot, I was just like, no. I called it from, like, minute one. I'm like, oh, she's the bad one. (laughs) Knew it. Like, like, because I knew it wasn't Scorpius. Yeah. And I, like, for a minute, I was like, maybe Albus is the one. (laughs) Like, maybe he is the cursed child. Like, maybe somehow Harry adopted him but well i always just thought like that the title meant like oh and i guess it's like the title is kind of like twofold yeah but it's like i always assumed it meant like scorpius and albus are the cursed children because it's like they're the ones that are like living in their parents shadow yeah no i think i mean i think that that is one definitely one facet of the title well, and then so when there was an actual cursed child, I was like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so can we just like address for like one second the fact that like Voldemort definitely never had sex? No, like, he never did Like that's just not also, I'm sorry, it, it they try to tell us that she was born before the battle at Hogwarts. No, she was not. Like, (laughs) Bellatrix Lestrange was not pregnant when they went to Malfoy Manor, which she would have to have been. I mean, maybe she wasn't showing, but, like, but I guess, like, they, like, the only thing I could, like, be like, okay, maybe, like, because remember when, uh, Hermione, like, impersonates her in Diagon Alley and, like, everyone's very surprised to see her because they're like, wait, I thought you were underground, so like maybe like during that time she like hid away, so like nobody knew. Yeah, I mean the other the other detail which like me, Lauren and Olivia could not get over is that Rodolphus gets out of Azkaban, and I'm like, who let him out on parole? Like <laughs> like what? Like, like, oh like, you know, like treason is just like a couple of years. Yeah, like time and time again, this man has proven that he is (laughs) deeply untrustworthy. But But you know what? Like, pee in a cup, like come by every month. Um, Also, like, I like that Rodolphus basically gets more mention in this book than he does in the series. Like, it's like, Bellatrix is like, who cares about you? (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God, I know i just i know i mean the other thing too about the whole, the play is that like time turners like really fuck with my head like if you think about it too hard like everything unravels and so you yes. just have to not think about it too hard yeah and they like they go back in time like too much yeah well and then there's that whole thing of like it's also just like how many times do we have to revisit the fact that Harry's parents were killed by Voldemort and it's oh. the mother's love. It's like we have to do <laughs> this again? In the play, like they – so like you don't see – um like, Voldemort killing them, like, basically what it is, is on the stage, you have, like, all of them in a line, and then they, like, Voldemort, like, walks through them, like, towards, like, you know, whatever is the house, which is, like, the back of the theater, and, um, then you, like, hear the audio and, like, watch their reactions as they watch it, and I'm just, like, number one, so Harry, you're gonna have your, like, 14-year-old son watch this, like, yep. when you – there is no reason you need to. Right. And Harry's like, I feel like I need to see it. Why? You already <laughs> know exactly what happened. You've heard it in your head eight million times. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't stupid. know. Don't buy that. Um, uh, what else? Um. I – the idea that Cedric Diggory would become a death eater and kill Neville Longbottom is ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he was humiliated in the Tri Wizard tournament. Was, <laughs> he was blown up like a balloon. And like that is the definition of humiliation, don't you know? He would never come back from that. Meanwhile, like Cedric was like the most easygoing, like kind I know. guy just your typical vanilla yeah he would have been like oh well that was really devastating but like i've still got a hot cho chang see i thought what they were gonna do is that like then harry's married to cho and that's why <sighs> albus wasn't born because he ends up saving cho mm. but like oh no we can we can break up ron and hermione because who the fuck cares about them but like harry and jenny are sacred like bullshit. Yeah, like I care way more that. about Ron and Hermione. Also. I just want to touch briefly on <laughs> that disaster date that Cho and Harry have in book five. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, with and Roger her Davies. Yells at her. <laughs> I'm surprised Roger Davies didn't make an appearance in the play. I wish. Um. Uh oh, also, so like they're like They basically have to go back in time because they're like, oh shit, Rose was never born because um, Ron and Hermione never got married. But then we meet uh, Ron, who's now married to Padma Patil, and they have a child, but they're like, who the fuck cares about Ponju? Like, we're, (laughs) 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 like, we gotta get Rose back. (laughs) Also, sorry, like, I have a very hard time believing that even if Ron was not driven to jealousy, but, like... Crumb like didn't take Hermione to the dance and so like Ron was somehow a good date to Padma Patil? Bullshit. Well, they were dates. Hermione was his date. And so oh, he Oh you're right. Yeah. So Cla- it, it is believable Ron would cheat on Hermione with Padma though. <laughs> yeah. No, he's just a bad date in general, so <laughs> It was like, "Hey, Hermione, I'm actually going to dance with this hottie over here." So I also though like okay. like their sexual tension has been building since age 11. So I just have a hard yeah. time believing that if this one like like Crum and Hermione is not the catalyst of their love. Well, and you can even tell that they're in love with each other when they see each other in the play. Cuz it's like he goes and visits her at school when she's all mean. Oh yeah. And I was like, "Oh, like I like how it's like, yeah, Hermione is like this like cruel celibate teacher. <laughs> yeah, she basically she turns into. Ron. She turns into Professor Umbridge. Yeah, and I was like, excuse me, like Hermione would have had choices. Like if she didn't marry Ron, she hundred percent could have married Victor Crumb. He loved her. Yeah. Well, and and even if Hermione is going to be a celibate teacher, she would be like a McGonagall. She's a kind person. Like, just because she's not getting any, she doesn't all of a sudden turn into, like, an evil witch. Yeah, exactly. Can we talk about, um, so when this book first came out, um, a lot of people were feeling like there were, like, there was a potential for Scorpius and Albus to have a relationship Like, a romantic relationship. I think you could definitely read that in the play, like, watching it. I think that you can. And, like, I don't obviously have a problem if that were to have been developed. And I think it would have been... I think I agree with some people who say, like, it would have been a nice opportunity for some, like, natural inclusion of the LGBTQ community in the Harry Potter franchise. But I also think that part of the reason that people read that into the play, and I'm not saying that it's not there because I totally could see how you would see that, but I also think that we just don't get that many depictions of intimate male friendships. I think you're right. And so I think this is like, if it develops into romance, I think that's great, but I also think it's really lovely to see an intimate male friendship because, I I mean, I just think that that, It's so nice to see that, like, or to depict young boys being able to be, like, delicate and vulnerable with each other in their friendships. And, like, almost having a very feminine friendship, Yeah, I think, is really important. And I don't think we see that very often. And I always just like, I love a good, like, sweet male friendship. And even, like, Harry and Ron had a nice friendship, but it wasn't vulnerable like Albus and um, Scorpius's is. No I think you're right and I think I mean I think that Harry and Ron like everything was very implicit like I think that like Harry Harry was understood like Ron's poor and like so like I need to be sensitive about Ron being poor and so like there was kind of like that sweet like that sweetness where like I don't know, like, on the, their first time on the train where, like, Harry offers to buy him, like, candy, and, like, he's just like, I have, like, so much money, I don't know what to do with it, and Ron's like, oh, I have, like, corned yeah. beef. <laughs> he's like, no, like, I'm just buying a bunch, you'll have to help me, like, it's just, like, sweet. Yeah, well, and, like, Harry at that point had never had a friend or been treated very oh, nicely no. by anyone, and, and, like, because he grew up with kind of nothing and being mistreated by the Dursleys, like, I forget what he exactly says, but it's something like, I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, you know, not being able to afford X, Y, Z, and you're just like, oh, my God, these angels. I know. But you're right, though. I think, I think partly, though, because, like, Ron is not exactly, like, a deep thinker. hmm <laughs> Like, I think, I think Harry and Hermione have a very, like, their, their friendship is actually, like, more akin to, like albus and scorpius yeah i would agree with that um even though harry values his friendship with ron over his friendship with hermione time and time again (laughs) especially when he's like uh like (laughs) i have to hang out with hermione in the library all the time he's like having hermione as a friend was nice but it wasn't the same as ron (laughs) it's like why just because she likes he likes quidditch like that's the only difference well, and I think it's also like Hermione sees through sometimes, like sees through Harry a lot. And so it's like she's constantly being like, this is what's going on with you. And he's like, ugh, oh, you're right. Yeah. Ugh, oh, God bless him. Um, gosh, what else? Um, well, and also it's like pretty clear that Scorpius is like weirdly into Rose. Oh, Which yeah. I was like, eh. could do without it. It's basically like he has to care about her so that he can be like, um, we have to go back in time and fix it so that Rose exists. Yeah. I mean. Rose. <laughs> like, who cares about Rose? <laughs> She's kind of mean. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think that, um. I don't know. Like, I think that actually the whole problem with Hermione in the play is, like, they read her, like, know it allness as ambition. And, like, that's not Mm -hmm. right. Which is, like, also how they portray Rose. Like, she goes to school and she's like, I want to be, like, the youngest person on the Quidditch team and, like, the best at everything. And, like, that wasn't ever how Hermione was. Like, she was just, like, basically anxious and, like, trying to, like stay on top of things like not because she even wanted to be the best ever but just because she like wanted to learn yeah well and it's also like she is going like i think she was always probably a straight a student and then she finds out that like There's this whole other world that she never knew about and that she's, like, getting to be a part of. And she's like, oh, shit. Like, I better be on top of this so I'm not embarrassed when I get to school. Unlike Harry, who's just like, I mean, I'm just going to wing it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Like, Hermione reads so many books and Harry's like, I mean, why? He's like, I just figured out who Voldemort is. Like, that's enough for now. Yeah. I have an owl. I might be famous. I'm not sure. (laughs) Didn't look into it. Well, and I think like Ron, like the reason also that Ron and Harry bond so instantly is like they both in that moment immediately give the other one what they need. Yeah. And like, it's just very intuitive and they just click. Whereas like, and I think Scorpius and Albus bond for the same reason, but they're just a lot more like vulnerable and sweet with each other. Yeah, well, and I think also, like, Harry's problems have always been, like, largely pretty external. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, Voldemort's trying to kill me. Like, oh, like, need to stop it. Whereas, like, Albus's problems have, like, largely been, like, emotional. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harry has well, some, some emotional stuff, too, but, like, that's but kind that's of always very over... very below the surface. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, like, off on the side that he has that issue, where, like, because... Where, like, all it's really manifesting in is, like, in book six, he's very moody. And then if you really – or five. And if you really think about it, you're like, oh, he has PTSD. Right. But that's not, like, your focus. Well, and, like, you know it's like, oh, yeah, he's an orphan. Like, he's, like, faced years of abuse. But, like, also – So what? (laughs) Well, no, but I mean, (laughs) I think think it's, like, you don't even have time to address that at this point. Because we have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Albus is like basically like I'm lonely I don't fit in here I'm very depressed like yeah and my family just doesn't understand me yeah very sad it's similar well like with Harry like his stuff like catches you off guard it's like at the end of book four when it says that Harry had never been hugged this way oh by Molly I know Measley, or he'd never been hugged like like a by a mother would hug you. yeah Ugh. I. I mean... I know. Like, what a heartbreaking line. I know. So, I mean, like, long story short, the play in no way touches the majesty of the books. Agreed. So, but, like, so what I've heard, the consensus I feel like for most people I've talked to or, like, heard that have seen the play is that it's, like, amazing. The play is amazing. I mean, I think that, like... (laughs) I think you have to go into it, though. I mean, it's the same story. So, like, if you're unhappy with the story, like, that doesn't change. But I do Mm -hmm. think that, like, the story works better just because the characters largely work better. I think Scorpius is, like, the only one that, like, worked less well for me Mm -hmm. on stage. Um, How was it having, like, the two knights? I mean, I think, like, the only thing that's really weird about it is that like you see the exact same people you were at the theater with the next day. That is weird. Yeah, but like it wasn't. I never thought about that piece. <laughs> yeah, but I mean it's um it's like two hours and forty minutes each, so it's like not short. Um, mm-hmm. Both times. Yeah. Oh, the other it's- thing that I'll say. I, okay, so um, oh God, what's that lady's name? <sighs> the lady who did the score for it. Oh, uh, Image and Heap. Yes. Okay, I hated it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I really hated it. Um, I it like it sounded like Image and Heap songs, mm. and so like I think like I couldn't like get past it because I'm like no, like I want it to be like the similar soundtrack as the movies. Yeah, where it's like kind of tinkling and like a little mm-hmm. bit creepy, but also like soothing and like warm and majestical whereas like yeah 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 whereas like this was like basically like new age at the club kind of yeah i was like i don't i don't know but the other but like the the effects were like incredible like i've never seen effects like that ever on stage and like you definitely like i was wondering reading it how like i was like how on earth would they do this on a stage so like the time turner when they do it like so they have like clocks on like the top of the stage which like spin and then they do like a huge noise like a bass noise which like makes you shake and then they like do this weird light effect where it looks like the whole stage like warps like i have no idea how they do it but like i was like yeah that really checks out (laughs) definitely seems like we went back awesome um They have, like, I don't know, like, halfway through, like, I found myself, like, not even questioning, like, or thinking, like, oh, I wonder how they did that. I was just like, oh, yeah, that's, like, it's magic. Like, that's fine. Like, you can definitely, like, put your wand on a piece of paper and then it will all clean up your whole desk. Yeah. Like, they did that. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think of, like, other cool... There was a lot of stuff, like someone would swish a cloak and like stuff would disappear oh Ooh. when they poly just juice potioned that was like really cool because they would like basically turn into the other person but like i don't know how they really did it i think there must be a hole in the stage that like one goes down the other comes out but like that's so cool it was really cool um what else um Harry and Draco's duel in their kitchen is, like, one of my favorite scenes just because it's very funny. mm mm-hmm. um, Moaning Myrtle is great in it. She's, like, very similar to the movie version of Moaning Myrtle, not the book yes. version, but, like, that give us what we want. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, Dumbledore, like when he was in his portrait would basically like walk behind it and then like be in it but like somehow it made it so like every point of the stage looked like he was just the portrait so like i don't know how they did that really um i don't know It like i felt like oh wait we have to talk about the snape part the what part the part with snape in it oh yes yes okay so that is like probably my favorite part in the whole play Mm -hmm. Um, like, when he, like, comes on stage, like, they show him, like, at the blackboard, and, like, it turns, and, like, the whole audience just, like, went wild. And it was, like, (laughs) yes! Like, (laughs) like, the whole second half of it is just, like, a lot of, like, it's, like, a lot of fan service where it's, like, yes, give us what we want. Um, yeah. But, like, he came out, and, um, I don't know. He played it well. Like, I felt like, I liked that we got a chance to like I like Snape got a chance to know that like Harry named his child after him mm-hmm. which like which still, I wanted no you know what <laughs> that's a that's a thing that I disagree with JK Rowling about it's like on of all people like I get why but it's also like he was horrible to you and to Hermione always and Neville too. So mean to Neville for no reason. Yeah. But I don't know. I, like, I enjoyed it. I felt like it was, again, one of those moments where it's like, yeah, let's bring Jack Bass into the scene. <laughs> <laughs> like, everybody's like, yes. Or, like, Carter Bazin. It's, it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a fun dynamic. Ooh, I just punched my mic. Sorry. To the people at home. Um, it's also a fun dynamic to see, like, him teaming up with Harry and Ron, and like, I like the idea of her oh, being like, and a Ron? warrior princess, yeah, because Harry's dead, all right, yeah, I mean, Hermione, yeah, I like the idea of her being like a warrior princess, I liked the idea of her being a warrior princess too, um, and like Ron just like her b- buffoon of a helper, yeah, yeah, yeah I, li- I like that dynamic, dynamic too. I don't know, I just it was like, like once again, Snape does sacrifice himself for the cause, does it bravely, yeah. does it without complaint. I don't know. I liked it. I felt like less and less satisfied with Dumbledore. Like, I, I agree with you. Like, I felt like we had sort of closed the door on Dumbledore. Like, we, you know, we had some closure. I just didn't think we needed him at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, once again, it's like he disappears exactly when we might need his advice. In yeah. classic Dumbledore fashion. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to know, like, are Arthur and Mar- Molly Weasley dead? Like, where? what are they up to? Yeah, it's like, sorry, we get Ludo Bagman, but not them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ludo Bagman, Amos Diggory, like, just, like, just obscure people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm surprised we didn't get, like, Fleur Delacour, like, another person I'd never have cared about. Yeah. Fleur's little, little sister Gabrielle. Let's get more of her. So, like, on the whole, like, are we glad that this exists? Or, is, I mean... I mean, I think... I mean, think- I guess it's, like, sure. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I feel like... I'm glad that the play existed in book form so I could read it before seeing the play so that I could, like, know Mm. the story. That being said, like, I don't think that everybody should read this if they have no plan to see the play. Oh. Mm. Like, I, I don't think that this should ever have been treated as, like, something that's, like, the next part of the series sort of like oh now you have to go buy it it's like no like if you want to see the play you should probably read it so you're not surprised by the storyline and so you can actually follow it also i don't know if you are not a harry potter fan and have never read the books like good luck you will be very lost you'll be like who the fuck is cedric diggory what (laughs) (laughs) like what is the triwizard tournament i've never (laughs) heard of it it's also, like, I just resent that on the back it says the eighth story 19 years later. It's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. And I, I also, like, I don't take it as canon. I take it as separate. Yeah. Um. I think it's, like, a picture of what might be, but I don't take it as, like, what actually is. Yeah. I agree. Well, and I just think, like, that's why I never really like when shows do, like, I don't get excited when shows reboot. Yeah. Because it's always, like, sometimes, like, a decade after we initially, and it's just, like, not the same energy or dynamic um, from the characters. And there's just, like, a lot that has probably happened in between, and it's just, like, never, it's never what you want it to be as a fan. So it's almost always better just to leave things alone. Yeah. That being said, though, like, I did enjoy reading it. And I did enjoy, like, a chance to enjoy, like, this world again for a period of time. Oh, one yeah, w- one more thing. Can we just talk about the trolley lady and, like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. It is the weirdest scene in the play you've ever seen. Like, all of a sudden, she's, like, this mythical... Being that, like, is in charge of keeping the children on the train? Yeah, am not sure. This, like... I can't believe that's what JK intended. Yeah. But who knows? I mean... Um, the other thing that I would like to mention, I went to the New York Historical Society over the weekend, mm-hmm. and there was a, a an exhibit which is, like um, for the 20th anniversary of Harry Potter, like, the first Mm -hmm. book, and, um, like, it's, it's called A History of Magic, and so they have, like, a bunch of, like, real, like, quote-unquote magical objects, like, from, like, real witches through the ages, Mm -hmm. so they had, like, a cauldron from, like, the 13th century and stuff, so it was very cool. Cool. Yeah, um, but, like, the really cool thing was that, I mean, not that the old cauldron wasn't cool, but, like, they had like, drafts that she had written. So they had, like, handwritten pages that she had um, done from the first book, which were literally almost identical to, like, what appears in the actual published work, which is crazy. Um, and then she had, like, an early draft where, like, which I thought was really interesting, where Fudge is actually the muggle minister of magic, which I'm like, yeah, that checks out. (laughs) Um... They like you know the chapter the other minister. Mhm. So she had like basically written that for the first book um and that was supposed to happen sort of like telling that like Voldemort's gone. Oh. And like Fudge was that minister. Yeah, so it's like kind of like a weird thing so it was a similar scene. And like Vernon Dursley was in politics and was like running against Fudge. Anyway, yeah, it was, like, a really weird – I mean, I didn't love it. I'm glad that we have it how it is, but it was just sort of, like, an interesting peak. I love that opening chapter so much. I love it, too. I've, well, and I also love that Vernon is, like, the most unimportant person. Yeah, he doesn't drill. And he's just, like – and he's just, like, trying to go to work, and he's, like, who are all these ludicrous people? Yeah. I also love – robes. I also love the other minister chapter in book six. Is that book six? I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first chapter in book six, and it's basically just them talking to the minister like, look, you're going to do what we need you to do, you little idiot. I could listen to that chapter a million times. Um, And then the, like, the number one coolest thing that's in there is she has, so, like, when she wrote the first book, she, like, had these, like, flowchart outlines for the other seven and so, book five, they have, like, the whole outline on the wall, and, like, she basically has, like, each chapter planned out, like, like, she has a column that's, like, Ginny slash Cho, so, like, romantic interest stuff, so, like, is anything happening this sh- within this chapter with that, like, no, or, like, this is what's happening, um... Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, it was insane, and like a lot of it, like I mean, some of it changed obviously as time went on, but like a lot of it really stayed the same. So that's it was amazing. Pretty cool. Yeah. But so yeah, so it was a it was a very Harry Potter weekend for me. Um, <laughs> I would say so. Like, this is going to be controversial. Like, I would give it a six out of ten for reading it. And I'd give it like a nine out of ten for watching it. Really? Yeah. See, I feel like that makes sense though for a play because some of it, like, but like I especially- feel like six out of ten is higher than probably most people would rate it. Like Lauren and Olivia both rated reading it as a two. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I just think like some of these like late like the later part of the play like reading it it's just like seeing like the, just when you just have the dialogue and you don't know how the actors like interpret it i was like this seems stupid yeah like that like there are a couple of hairy lines where i was like what yeah like at the end when there's like when they're in the main conflict um but yeah i mean i think i enjoyed reading it more the second time because i kind of knew what was coming And I remembered my first reactions, but it was, like, the first time I read it, it was, like, trying to, like, force your, like, foot into something that didn't fit right. Yeah. And you were just, like, this isn't, like, this just doesn't feel, it was, like, wearing a wool sweater for me, where I'm, like, this is supposed to be warm and good, but it's really itchy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also really preferred the first half of it, um, reading yes, it, I agree. than um, the second half. But yeah, I, I, I actually like the second half watching the play better than um, the first. But I think part of that had to do just with like, like, it was a more lively audience the next night, because I think we like knew what to expect, um, mm-hmm. and like people were excited. Whereas the first night, I think people were like, we don't really know what this is going to be. Hmm. So, so yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah. Well, um, I don't know what our next book is. We haven't picked it either. But we have not. Um. Happy Halloween, everybody! Yes, Happy Halloween. Stay safe. Yep. Um, Make good choices. <laughs> Try to get rid of your candy as soon as you can. Yep. Uh, Uber, don't drunk drive. Right. Uh, watch out for your friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... And, you know, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. And check us out on Instagram. Yeah, check us out <laughs> on Instagram, our best social media <laughs> platform. Oh, by far. Oh, but if you do want to check out Twitter, I did live tweet Mamma Mia too. so... Oh, I should check that's that out, except I you. haven't seen it yet because I have I no time on my hands. If you just need like a self-care break, like the movie has somehow less plot than the first one, but it is <laughs> a delight. <laughs> okay. If it if it has Colin Firth, like just being adorable in it, I'm in. I, was, oh, I wish Pierce was not Colin in Firth. it at all. Yeah. He's looking a little tubby in that. In the second one, I will say. Does he sing in it? Because if he does, I'm out. (laughs) Okay, he does. (laughs) Minimally. He doesn't have his own song, but he does sing. And I was like, why? Just give him a role he can do. (laughs) Like, Like, why? Like, Colin Firth, like, when he sings that Summer song, like, he does a great job. Yeah. He's weirdly, um, Colin Firth does no, like, significant singing in the movie, and yet, he's the only credited singer on Dancing Queen. And it is 100% <laughs> an ensemble song from beginning <laughs> to end. It's not even like Colin Firth and cast. It's just Colin Firth. I mean, who are we here for? <laughs> exactly. I think it's just because he has so many great moments in that scene. Okay. Where, right, like, I when I it. saw he was the only credited singer, I was like, I mean, honestly, it checks out. Well deserved. <laughs> All right. Well... Bye, guys. Well, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.